Hello, good afternoon, Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast and video series where we talk about digital marketing and strategies to help grow your business. Today, I'm joined by Lola Beckery. Thank you, Lola, for joining me on the show today. I'm so excited to have you. Your story is really compelling, and, I, and I, I, I'm going to really cherish, and I know our listeners and viewers will too, um, but welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm so happy to be here. You know, your podcast and your approach to helping people, so, so awesome to be here with you today. Well, well, thank you for that. You know, uh, at, before we you know, came on air, you were sharing with me your story about how this marketing success consultant way of living has kind of come about, how it's evolved uh, through your different career steps. So before we kind of yeah. dive into the meat and potatoes about today's episode, tell us a little bit about that journey. Sure. I mean, it's, it's so exciting to share because I am at a point, honestly, within the last year, all the craziness of 2020, where I think we all started to recognize fundamental truths about ourselves. And the one that led me to really positioning my business this way is teaching. Hmm. That is, at the end of the day, even as a marketer, what I've always done. And so my career has been a journey of learning to make sure that I can teach most hmm. effectively. And I didn't know that, but now I do. So it's really exciting. So I started my career at the Gatorade brand, uh, PepsiCo in Chicago office, and that was a stroke of luck. I was an English major in undergrad, um, but I was always just drawn to the storytelling aspect of marketing. So I ended up being able to interview well and, and get that job and there learn the foundational sort of principles of excellent brand marketing from one of the one of the companies that does it best, consumer packaged goods, right? So that was a foundational education that like you just can't get anywhere else but Pepsi, P&P, maybe Coca-Cola. Um, from there, I got my MBA at NYU Stern, more learning, um, and, and then went into tech. So I've always been fascinated by uh, how technology companies allow people to communicate and express themselves to the world. So I worked on Dell consumer business for a few years and then did a role in the B2B side of things as a chief of staff more learning, more learning, but that piece I mentioned specifically, because in my work now, a lot of what I do is really serve as almost a virtual or um, kind of like tangential chief of staff to marketers. One of the things, as everybody watching you knows, that is the hardest struggle when you're leading a marketing team or even leading marketing efforts as an individual entrepreneur is like, there's so many different things you could do. Who do you ask? What should I do? Who do you bounce ideas off of? Who do you go for? Go to for direction. So whether it's through folks who are on my LinkedIn page or following my content, or folks who actually come into my programs or work with me, I want to be able to be that sounding board for people. And I learned it being a chief of staff at one of the you know most successful Fortune 500 companies there is. So then from there, I had the experience that I know a lot of your audience has ahead of marketing at a startup. So I worked at the Daily Dot, um, which is, think of it as like a digital publication, kind of more intellectual BuzzFeed type thing. And that was really fun because I got to see 
what it takes to do all of this stuff. Like how do you create a marketing engine from scratch? How do you really decide on what your goals are? Like I did all that. I made all the mistakes. Even when the success was there from a growth standpoint, I remember we went from 5 million monthly meetings to 20 in a period of months because I shifted the strategy from buying like bot traffic to buying Facebook ads. And this was in like, you know, I think it was 2014, 15. So Facebook ads, like publishers weren't really doing that a ton for news articles yet. But it makes so much sense, right? Like target people. 100%. Because they'll want to read why, right? So like, that was super successful. However, when it comes to bringing new ideas in, a lot of you know you have to make sure you're doing it in a way that the rest of the organization feels like they're part of the solution too. And it's not like the you show, and it's not like you know the magic show that's about like everything you're doing. And I had to learn to sort of drop that ego side of myself, and that's a lot of what I teach marketers to do to be successful. So as vulnerable as it is to share this, what every good consultant will tell you is that they teach from a place of learning and they teach from a place of mistakes made. And so that's what's really equipped me, having had all the experiences in companies that are such elite spaces, right, that now I'm inspired to bring all that wealth of knowledge to the masses, you know, in whatever way I can. So being here on your podcast is a real honor because we're doing that. We want to make sure everybody has the tools they need to be successful. And it's just, it's so heartening to be at a point in your career where you do get to, to share, you know, everything that you know with the world. So yeah, that's why I'm here. Nice. Nice. Not right. right? <laughs> yeah. You know, we were, we were talking earlier and I, and I, I, this is the topic of today's episode is, is based on, uh, a formula, a, a magic potion, but that's a reality um, that you've really honed in, that you've really perfected. And it's so perfect given the current climate that we're in. So today's episode, Max Move Marketing, how to make a social impact that drives the bottom line is what we're going to talk about today. And I, and I, <laughs> we're going to, I'm going to have you unpack this thing for us and, and we're going to dive into it because I think you've broken it up into a very simple, digestible concept that we can all kind of wrap our heads around. So talk to me about what is Max Move Marketing? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, one of the things that we all know is happening right now is that the world is asking itself, how can we make this better for us all? Like that's at the end of the day, what I think we're all faced with. How do we make this better? We've been faced with challenges that force us to ask ourselves, how do we make better? And maximum marketing is the way that you, as either a business owner, an entrepreneur, or a leader of a brand marketing team, can make things better for the world with the way you approach your marketing. And I really want people to digest that because there's so many things we need to address as a society, but this is very directly and succinctly about how you can make a difference with your marketing. You're gonna do marketing anyway. The premise here is that if you make max moves that create a social impact and also 
drive your bottom line, you are going to actually be more successful in bottom line growth because social impact is the clearest path to making an emotional connection mm-hmm. with your audience. An emotional connection is what drives loyalty. So the pathway to making your marketing more inclusive, that's what Max Move Marketing really is. And the formula that Michael mentioned that really helps folks figure out how to do this today um, is what I'm excited to share with you guys. So that really boils down to three key things, right? Yeah, let's do it. Unpack it. Sure. So the framework to making your marketing more inclusive, to the framework to max move marketing, and again, I'll repeat, making your marketing create a social impact that also drives the bottom line, all you have to do is follow these three steps and make sure that you check these three boxes on what I call the RSR framework. And as cutesy as it sounds, that's how you razor in on your max moves. RSR, razor in on your max moves. The first R is about revenue impact. So when we decide on what our strategy for inclusive marketing, we are going to be choosing something that has the opportunity to drive sales or acquire new customers or users or deepen retention. One of those revenue driving outcomes needs to, the box needs to be checked there for you to be making a max move. And so One of the examples I really like to share to bring to life what this really looks like is what City is doing. So everyone's familiar with City, the big bang. They have created a program called Action for Racial Equity. And what that program is doing is actually going back, looking at their systems and processes, and they have all of the detail on their website. So this is something they can actually measure the impact of, but they are making banking more accessible to communities, black communities specifically, who have been disenfranchised from banking historically, right? So what what does that really do to drive revenue impact? Well, even for people who are not in that demographic, if you know that the bank that you are deciding between city and let's say maybe Wells Fargo, who got a lot of uh, the opposite sort of feedback this year, Are you going to choose the bank that's doing something great for the world? Or are you going to choose the bank that is being questioned as far as their ethics? And I know which one I'm going to choose. And my supposition is that in this world, and especially as we all become more aware of what's going on, your consumers want to be aligned with folks who are making a positive impact on the world. And so they're going to acquire customers who may not have chosen City just because they got awareness for this really great thing they're doing that's actually making an impact. Does that make sense, Michael? Do you think people get that? Yeah, I I think so. I I think what we have to understand and appreciate here is that City has demonstrated something that I'm a huge believer in, and that is have empathy. Have empathy for your consumers. Understand what it means to walk in their shoes every day, and then reverse engineer your way into how do I make their life better in providing access to the products and services that we deliver. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you're, you know, zebra or, you know, golden retriever, it doesn't matter. Um, If you, if, if you, if you relate in the context of the real world living decisions, the day-to-day decisions of, of your consumers, of your members, 
uh, of your advocates, your your constituents, whatever, however you you know frame your audience, the better you can connect with them through empathy to really understand. I, I think that will ultimately position your brand in a more profitable position. And in City's example, it did just that. You know, I mean, obviously they acquired they acquired new accounts. So you know, yes, that drove revenue to the bottom line. Um, all right. And, and Michael, you actually just reminded me of another one that I think will really bring food focus for people. Um, so I believe it was nationwide. And, we'll, and we can correct in the comments if I'm wrong. But there's an ad spot running right now showing an autistic boy's business that his mother helped him create and how they're using this financial, the financial services offerings to like really shore him up um, financially so that he can he can create this business and it's so inspirational mm. you don't have to have an autistic child or brother or sister to relate to that and want to support their product line and by the way they specifically have services for family planning in the cases of you know caretaking and special needs so not only are they driving awareness of a new service line but they're building loyalty and, and equity um, with their customers and potential new customers through showing that empathy, right? So I really love your point there about empathy. Super so, important. Yeah, so the next part, like you said, the first one is revenue, the second one is social impact. So I think what we're, what, what, I'm, what I'm picking up here is, is that this is really about authentic effort. So let's unpack social impact and how is that part of the max move marketing? Michael. So the second thing you have to make sure you check the box on, as Michael said, is a social impact that is authentic. And a social impact that is authentic does three things. It creates inclusion, it supports diversity, and or it furthers equity in a way that is measurable. And what's the pull of this? So what we're not talking about is something that just creates representation. So if you've ever been in a meeting and you know you might get a comment like, well, let's make sure in our ads we show diversity, like let's just check that box. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but this it needs to be more than something performative uh, representation. It needs to be about actually making an impact for a marginalized group or a cultural cause that really feels aligned with your brand. And in doing so, you are creating inclusion, you're supporting diversity, and or you are furthering equity. So what does this look like? Um, let's go to an example I really love that Skittles did last year. So Skittles um, celebrated Pride Month with their exclusive Pride Pack, I think it was to 7-Eleven. They took off all the color of the packaging and the message was, this month, only one rainbow matters. Or right now, only one rainbow matters. It was hmm. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. They donated, yeah, isn't that great? Like yeah. They donated a dollar, I think, Michael, of every sale uh, to GLAAD, an advocacy organization for, LGB, for the LGBTQ community. And so there, I mean, obviously, we get the checks the box on revenue. But it's creating inclusion. Think about it. You can sell something in a way that makes people feel more welcome in the world. Why wouldn't you do that? 
So it's a really exciting opportunity. And there are so many more examples of this. Um, but I think one that I think your audience would um, be interested in, Michael, that we've discussed a little bit is how kind of NASCAR did this social impact piece, but missed the revenue mark. So people realize the importance of getting all three of these done. This summer when they made that announcement um, that they were banning the Confederate flag, why didn't that come with a campaign that invited new audiences to experience NASCAR? You know, like you don't need to just do your social impact work in the background. It can actually be at the foreground of how you go to market. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think, you know, giving these examples really helps us again to wrap our minds around and, and put our hands on what does this look like without just stuffing the, the 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 creative with you know the the perfect diversity of all the rainbow colors and say yeah we yeah, did it no. good job you know that that you know i mean that's that's all we're talking about all right, so the one other example, if, if do we have time, can I give one? Yeah, example? yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and it, it it the sort of analog to stuffing the creative with imagery um is solving a problem. So one sort of case study I'll just conjure up. Imagine you are a real estate agent in residential and you sell homes in the wealthy part of Detroit, right? So you know, in your home, in your, you know, spiritual community, in your church, in your synagogue, whatever, you're donating to help with the Flint water crisis. Why not actually create a movement where you're inviting your prospective customers to do that as well? So you are solving an authentic problem in your community, and it is mission-driven and aligns with the fact that you, as someone who sells homes, wants everyone to live their best. Like that is a brand value that donating and galvanizing donations to the Flint wet water crisis actually aligns with. We want everybody to live their best. I am going to buy my multi-million dollar mansion from you, realtor, versus someone else who's not also doing that. That's what I want to see on your direct mail. Committed to helping everyone live their best. Here's how we're doing it. You can get involved. By the way, buy your home from me. Does that make sense? It's it, actually further equity. Yeah, it, it does. And I think what it what it really tells the story of is, especially very specifically in the example of real estate, um, you know, that whole segment has such a horrible reputation as, you know, sleazy, untrustworthy, you know, just in it to, you know, uh, open the front door and then close on the paperwork and collect a check. And, and I think when you demonstrate uh, through your core values, a commitment to your community, you're, you're telling a much larger picture about your brand reputation uh, that goes so much further than, you know, just writing a $5,000 check to the Boys and Girls Club, uh, you know, and, and sending out a press release or something about that. So, uh, so I think that's, Right. Uh, th that sets up the third piece, which we're going to go into now, which is reputation. So what else can we say about what are the, the tenets or what are the components of that reputation piece? 
I mean, you almost got it right there. <laughs> right. It, it is figuring out how you can um, actually do something that improves your brand's reputation. And the example you just shared is so perfect. Um, if the real estate industry as a whole has this challenge, figure out how your social impact marketing, your max move, can combat that authentically. So, like, correct the historical wrong. Do something that shows this is not what real estate folks are all about. You're improving your brand health. So the three things here I really want people to focus on are doing something that makes your brand healthier, right? Like, if you if you are doing an MPS score or something like that, whatever this is, you should see improvement there. Um, aligns with your authentic mission, vision, and positioning. Aligns with your authentic brand story. This is key. So it can't just be that you want to be, you know, in bed with the social impact flavor of the week. It's got to be that there's something about the story of your brand or your industry or your perspective that you can tie to wanting to make a difference in this area. And I think that, you know, the example we lined up, you know, that that we talked about, you know, real estate agent in Detroit, that's perfect. Like this is something happening in your community. Um, that you're addressing city. We see that with, with city as well. This is something that we know the banking industry has struggled with. So aligns authentically with your brand. And then the third one is that if you, and this is the most measurable, you're increasing your share of voice. Earned media is where it's at in 2021. If you create stories that people want to share, then you're getting the benefit of people knowing about your brand, understanding what you're doing and having you top of mind. This is how, you know, category leaders are born through earned media. So if you're doing something that is relevant to the news cycle of the day, quite frankly, which social impact will be for the foreseeable future, you really increase your chances of benefiting from that. And again, it's like, it's not, it's not opportunistic or something you should shy away from. Because when you really think about this, who would argue with wanting to spend your marketing dollars, which you're going to spend anyway, in a way that also improves society? It's a no-brainer. I encourage everybody to read Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods, for a nice primer on this concept. Mm. Um, but it's super important. I could talk about it for hours, Michael. <laughs> well, again, um uh, Lola, I think that we started this show with the revenue as the first R and, and we've gone into social impact. We've gone into reputation, but you know, every business owner, every CEO, every CFO, you know, so many times they are disconnected from the marketing team that, you know, the marketing team is over here doing a silo, but they're always looking at the bottom line. And I think that it, you know, no matter almost any industry that you look at, you know, they're focused on the bottom line. And when you are able to tie in your marketing efforts with the overall revenue goals and objectives of the organization, when those can become synced together, uh, you know, there is just from top to bottom uh, participation and agreement. Uh, and I think that sets up for success really well. Well, as we close up, Lola. Yeah, no problem. Because as we were talking before, you made the point that um, one of the things I'm passionate about 
is bringing that model from those big corporates into how we look at you know small and medium business um and it's this is key so if you go to procter and gamble or if you go to pepsico or if you go to any of these big consumer brands the marketing team owns the pnl they are responsible for the pnl and that is by design because you are literally the creators you breathe new value into a business so don't and so but what i see when we start to get outside of those more like legacy fortune 500 big guys is that and gals is that um marketing is perceived by the other functions more as like oh you make the ads oh you make the collateral oh you make the creative oh you do the stuff no make sure that if you're in that boat you are actively positioning yourself as the team that drives and breathes new value into the business you want to be close to the money and you want to always be talking about how close you are to the money nice i love it i love it lola uh any closing remarks uh things that you want to leave uh as, as a uh you know exclamation point with with the listeners and viewers and then how can people reach out to you sure um closing remarks i would just say michael thank you so much for having me this has been super exciting um i really love your content and i'm excited to to be here so that's just a huge thanks for the service that you offer to business owners and marketers um and then i wanted to share kind of my three things i think are uh you know just little areas folks want to look into and get involved in if they haven't so i'll do that very quickly um the first is audio event like right now fishbowl clubhouse um i think twitter's even going to get into this but there are a lot of audio only event platforms where especially small businesses can easily take advantage of growing their audience and acquiring new customers without a ton of production um think about this as like an instant podcast where you literally can have anybody jump into the conversation so really look into how you can start taking advantage of that in your business i think it's super powerful to start with those two actually fishbowl and clubhouse if you're interested in this um and then secondly i would say that right now there's nothing more important than improving your presence on linkedin as a business owner and really making sure you're optimizing that space uh, to to work to your advantage and tell your story when in a world where those like sort of conference meet in person meet in the hallway moments aren't happening everyone really needs to be focusing on getting the most out of their linkedin profile um and thirdly i would just say that we need to spend this year thinking really differently about our businesses and what they offer and how they serve so just encouraging everyone to really be creative and not focus on the old way of doing things those are my three tips how you can get in touch with me i am on linkedin so just search my name um or my little handle thing is make it be with lola or you can find me on my website at makeitbe.co um i also for the women out there who are watching have a group on linkedin for women marketing leaders uh, where we have, I think, nearly 300 of us really just inspiring each other to get to that next level. And that you can find at ascendwithlola.com. Or if you forget that, just DM me and I'll send you the link. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. 
Well, thank you again, Lola. It has genuinely been a pleasure sharing with you. I love your energy. I love your passion. I wish the best for you and prosperity in 2021. And uh, I'll catch you next time. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. We'll catch you on the next show. Take care. Have a great day.